Morning. It's the Sunday before opening night for the Hangar Theater's play, The Realness. Hi, looks good. Looks awesome. Looks real, <laughs> if I dare say. That's R.J. Levine, the Hangar Theater's managing director near the outdoor stage where the crew is installing the set. A local graffiti artist painted the background, which features the play's title, The Realness, in large letters. Hi, Steve. How are you? Steve Tanike, the scenic designer, joins us. Oh, it's actually happening. I know, it's I can't amazing, believe right? it. Yeah, I can't believe it. When I first met Steve in person, there was like this much snow on the ground. RJ points to their knees. We decided that day that it was going to be this, basically, this setup. Yeah. Right, and um, that was, you said, you know, there's still snow on the ground. How long ago was that? February? Yeah, January, February. This was a given, yeah. this structure. But then it was like, where does it go? How does the audience relate to it? Yeah, there it was like, questions. are we covering the audience? Yes. Where do we um, put a relationship to the sun? Like, there are all those exactly. questions. Exactly. Is this where lights are going to end up then? Yeah, so they're hanging these cables so that we're doing string lights over the audience. So that That's going to be beautiful. Yeah. You had a vision five or six months ago, and now it's all coming together. Well, it's funny, you know, the theater, we're, normally this part is already done. Yeah, we don't have to build <laughs> like, anything. Exactly. It's like, that's the, that's where we start. Yes, exactly. But yeah. It's re-envisioned to... everything, really. It's so. cool, though. So, I mean, it's fun to see this space transform. Absolutely. It's, it's I wish I wish we could show it on the radio, but that's not how radio is. We actually, were you at the run-through yesterday? I'm going to, the, to yeah. today. Yeah, we saw a run yesterday, and it's, this is a great play to start with. sit down outside the Hangar Theater for a chat with the director and a cast member. I'm Kyle Hayden and I'm the director of The Realness. I'm Nicholas Caicedo and I play Roy as well as a variety of characters throughout the play. We're sitting outside of the Hangar Theater. <laughs> it is a beautiful Sunday. I could hear the birds singing. Thank you so much for being here with me. Our pleasure. So Kyle, maybe first you could tell me a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I'm an actor and director. I'm originally from Pittsburgh, PA, which is where I live and teach and I'm part of the leadership team at Carnegie Mellon University. So uh, and I'm really interested and passionate about kind of doing new plays and finding ways to bring the voice and stories of global majority folks to American stages, really diversifying and uh, highlighting these stories that haven't been told as often. So the realness is a great opportunity to do that. Fantastic. Thank you. And how about you, Nick? Tell us about yourself. Sure, I was born and raised in Colchester, Vermont, right outside of Burlington, mm -hmm. and I've always had a passion for acting and for theater and theater arts. I actually went to Ithaca College. Hey, welcome uh, back. Years ago. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's, it's a joy to be back. Ithaca is gorgeous indeed. Um, and, you know, w during the long winter of COVID, it was challenging to exercise that passion and, and really do what we love to do. Mm -hmm. And being back here in Ithaca, in this incredible uh, group of people telling this incredible story for this community has been uh, really, really something special and kind of like a renaissance for, for me. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. So this production will be live and in person for The Hangar. At last, finally, <laughs> live theater in Ithaca is coming back. Woo! Post-pandemic, let's do this. <laughs> What's the Hangar Theater's plan for making this in-person experience safe? Well, first of all, they're building an entirely new stage outside, which is kind of just to the side of us from where we're, we're talking. So 
the investments and in putting in that, clearing the space, running electricity, having lights, sets, everything that you're used to in the theatrical experience, but outside. Right. I think it's going to be awesome, and I hope it's something that they continue past this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we've we've got a lot of room for patrons, but we'll also be socially distanced okay. with the seating so that people can make sure that they're coming and they're safe and, and enjoying. So um, I think the setup is really going to make people feel, feel pretty comfortable about coming back. That's wonderful. Thank you. In addition to that, the entire company is vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So we've been able to rehearse without masks in an outdoor uh, tent mm. space that has a lot of airflow and a lot of pollen and <laughs> all of the elements. A lot of pollen. <laughs> the pros and cons, right? Yeah. You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, right? Absolutely. But we'll take it, yeah. you know. And, uh, and like Kyle said, I think being outdoor in, outdoors in nature to to tell a story in the summer is there, there's something special in that regardless of of what pandemic we are currently in 100 percent, 100 percent. so let's talk about the play itself you both are part of the production the realness written by idris goodwin what can the audience expect a lot of hip-hop uh, the plays is centered in um, 1996 and 1997 kind of framed by the uh, murders of tupac shakur and the notorious big and it's about T.O., who's a college student, moved to the city and kind of pursuing his love of hip-hop. And along the way, he meets a woman that he, an MC, who's a really fantastic rapper. And so it's kind of his pursuit of hip-hop, his pursuit of love, learning about journalism. It's this really accessible kind of story that I think is going to be very familiar to anybody who has, I don't know, experienced teenage years and the, the kind of growth, the exponential growth that happens as you try to figure out who you are and where you fit in and, you know, how you participate in a culture that you really kind of adore and love. Mm-hmm. I was fully formed at 10. <laughs> so that was my experience. You lucky, lucky person. <laughs> Perfect. No, absolutely. I mean, it's very much set in the mid-90s, which is, I, I was young during that period of time. But to Kyle's point, it's so accessible because everyone kind of goes through this journey, regardless of when you grow up. And, and when you know when you hit those those formative years of like I think I know everything about the world, and then you try to live within that world, right. and you realize you know nothing. Absolutely. And um, but what an exciting exploration to take on. For me, the show is about finding the real, finding the real in everything that we do, and owning our voice. But we have to figure out what that voice is and what we really want to say as an artist. When I was a, a young actor and and still studying here at uh, Ithaca College, I felt like I wanted to stand in the right spot and speak with perfect diction Mm -hmm. and learn all the tools and and put everything I could in my toolbox. But I didn't know what I wanted to say as an artist. Mm. And coming into myself, I found, oh, you know, my my family is from Colombia. My parents literally grew up in Colombia and came to America and I, it's like, it's a, it's a very simple immigration story, but not one that I really had understood or embraced. Mm. I often thought that, gosh, like I have these huge ambitions, these big dreams, and, and my folks are pretty content to live in Vermont. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that that was their dream. Yes. They had achieved that yes. so that I could then do whatever the heck I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And that was so special. And that realization, really was inspiring to me Mm -hmm. and 
it's it's kept me coming back to the theater and 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 continuing to journey on on my own path and in my own in, in my own dreams and that a lot of that narrative is in this story got it about chasing your dream finding out what that is and then and then running for it so Nick tell us about your role in specific in this play so I and you've probably seen other plays that have ensemble casts mm-hmm. where one person plays numerous parts. Ooh. We have a few of uh, characters like that within our show. And so you'll see these very simple transformations that happen with accent pieces, costumes, and simple vocalizations that will sort of fill in the blanks of, of the narrative. So when we start out, we're in a scene, and you're kind of getting like a... Uh, an impression of maybe what was sort of the underground feel and then it moves very quickly to a DJ mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm doing that thing and embodying that character and then when I hit Roy Roy is and uh, I really relate to this to this guy uh, he's a like 25 year old Latino guy he has this dream and it seems wildly unrealistic for him to, to want this thing, but he wants to be an MC mm-hmm. and to make it big. He's, you know, lives very modestly. He's, he's poor, he lives in Prima's neighborhood, but he writes and he is able to spit these incredible rhymes despite a speech impediment mm-hmm. that he has. When he's speaking and dialoguing, expressing himself in life, in real life situations, it's hard for him to kind of get through a sentence. But when he's rhyming, when he's rapping and spitting these incredible bars that he has created and devised, it's the most fluid that he can be. Mm. It's got flow and rhythm and meter, and he's able to just devour his opponent in a rap battle. And one thing I just want to add is that in a play like this, where you have kind of a main character telling the story, and then you have an ensemble that has to work in a minimalist way to make the story really clear, you have to have really talented performers, right? And so we're very fortunate to have to have Nicholas and Kiziana, right? Kind of making all these changes, Rossell making these changes, playing these different characters um, in order to make the story clear. But it very much, they create the world in a really fun way. So it's awesome to see Nick and Kiziana kind of in, as a duo, smoked out duo, one moment, and then playing these like authority <laughs> figures or, or, or DJs or whatever. So that's, I think that's gonna be really fun for the audience too, is to watch those transformations happen very quickly. 100%. And so the subtitle of The Realness is Another Breakbeat Play. What does that mean? Tell us about that. Well, one of Idris's first plays is called A Breakbeat Play, so which is kind of referring to, to hip hop, right? And so it's another in a series that he's written. He is a really, he's a really wonderful playwright that has a ton of things happening right now. You can see a lot of them online as well as coming here to the hangar to check it out but he writes a lot of these kind of hip hop plays that are set in the world. He has a play dealing more with the DJ culture, right? This one kind of focuses more on the intersection between hip hop and journalism, but he's got several different ones. So that's kind of his, his subtitle and acknowledging a little bit of like what you're getting into. T.O., the main character tells you in the first four lines of the play, like you're gonna hear a lot about hip hop. So I think it's a great opportunity if you're somebody who enjoys the music to embrace it. And if you're someone who doesn't know anything about it to come learn about it and, and kind of take the tour with the lead character. And so uh, that's, a, that's a great segue here. What would you hope that, that someone who is not well-versed in hip-hop takes away from the realness? 
I think there's a really strong access point in the way that Idris has structured the play because there is a break the fourth wall narrative character who kind of welcomes the audience, brings you into his world, and then goes on the journey with you and takes you along for the ride. And as he's developing his own awareness and knowledge and exploration of hip hop and what this culture really means, not just in the books or I've, I've seen a Beyonce concert, <laughs> it's really like diving a little bit deeper. Beyonce was, was not in the 90s, but I, you know, <laughs> I've, you know, I, I've heard of, of Tupac, you know, still looking for him. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, and so, and he's from the suburbs. He's from a place much like Ithaca. Mm. And so, or Burlington, where, where I'm from. Mm. But he has, the, he has this passion and this, this sort of connection to this thing, but he doesn't really understand the culture. So as he learns this culture, um, we, we are all doing that with him. So I think that, is, that makes it really accessible to all of us. There's also a love story running through it, you know, a young love story. And I think a lot of us can reflect on that time when we were young and had a crush, we're really into someone and we're trying to navigate those feelings and figure out what was going on there. So I think that part is going to be really familiar to a lot of part and a lot of people and very accessible. I love it. Absolutely. Just a simple love story coming of age. Anyone can mm -hmm. really relate to it. Mm -hmm. So how are rehearsals going? I know that the performance <laughs> is happening just in a handful of days. So how's it going? Great. Um, you know, I think it's been 15 months at least for a lot of us, you know, between jobs based on the pandemic. And yes. so, you know, I think one of the really wonderful things has just being in person and being able to look at people, to talk to them, to touch them and to, to create work in the same space. A lot of us have done some virtual things, which have been really fun and interesting. And I think we've all learned a lot. But the act of making art in person. Yes. And that's live theater, right? The yes. beauty of live theater is that it's this two-way communication that happens between the actors and the audience, watching it happen in real time right in front of you. There's no substitute for that. So I think the ability to just be in space with these awesome artists has been so wonderful. You know, I think we're, you know, we're pretty, pretty giddy and pretty happy most of the time, yeah. I think, you know. Yeah, that's the director's take. What is it your take as someone who's an actor? It's going terribly. <laughs> <laughs> Real the director happening. is a tyrant. This is realness, so he's a not. tyrant. <laughs> oh my gosh! No, it's it's a dream. It literally is, and I I, I would not say that. I would give you a very um, sort of politically correct answer um, <laughs> if if I was not having a great time. Mm. This is an incredible family. We all came in so ready for this. Yes. So and and just. I was actually chatting with a castmate yesterday about how normally on a contract, I kind of come in, I, I get my bearings, I chill, it's like a few days before I really warm up to the rest of the cast. This was almost instantaneous. We were throwing hugs, we were getting into like intimate conversations, and what did you do, and where are you now, and let's go swimming, and it was literally like, you know, zero to 60. Mm -hmm. and. And that has, I think, that has really served us so well in the show because it is an intimate story. It is, and, and it's five of us telling a story that is pretty resounding mm -hmm. in many ways. Um, and, and it deals with these, these uh, iconic deaths in the hip-hop community that re really, you know, shook, shook the world 
beyond the hip hop community. And it's things that even as a young person, even I heard about mm -hmm. and remember hearing cer certain things about that, not knowing really the context for it. And then being able to go back and look historically and see like, oh gosh, this is, this is, this was a really big deal and continues to be one yes. and really shaped the trajectory of hip hop culture. And so I think we all came to it knowing that, that this, there's gravity to this love story. It's not as simple as it may appear on the page. And I think we all really embrace that and have run with that. And we've had an incredible guiding light in Kyle. Kyle really understands this world. He basically is T.O., this character. He <laughs> Pretty <knows>. much. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> he knows how to tell this with heart and, and with theatricality, which I think we've all just been yearning for so much. Thank you. So is there anything that you wished I had asked before we wrap up the conversation? Well, you had mentioned the playwright, and this is more for, for Kyle to, to mention, but there is a, a panel of people that are going to be talking about the play. Yeah, Ben, or ben Ortiz, who runs the Hip Hop Archive over at Cornell, has curated a wonderful panel, a couple of, of hip hop greats, and then Idris and myself will also kind of be talking about the experience of the play. So that'll be on June 21st. So that's a virtual experience. So anybody can can jump to, jump into that. I hope I hope people do and, and can kind of hear what's gone on. I just think we're all really profoundly grateful to, to be here at the Hangar doing work again and to, you know, have people in the community come and see it. This is the third time I've, I've been involved with The Hangar. I was here three years ago doing some shows and then I did some virtual stuff last year. So I, I love coming to Ithaca and I'm just so excited for the community to come experience this. I'm Pamela Tan. The music you heard in this piece comes from Blue Dot Sessions and this is WRFI. <laughs>